More than 4,000 graduate students in over 80 different programs of study. You guys are sort of all over the world, it seems like. It's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. Here on Inspiration Dissemination. They're now converted into basically mathematical shapes, and we can now analyze the statistics of this shape. Good evening, listeners. Good evening, listeners. Good evening, listeners. It's January 19th, 2019, and you're tuned in to 88.7 KBVR Corvallis. It's just after 7 p.m., and on a Sunday, that means it's time for another episode of Inspiration Dissemination. I'm Heather Forsyth. And I'm Lisa Hildebrand. At Oregon State, we have more than 4,000 graduate students in over 80 different programs of study. And here on Inspiration Dissemination, we feature the research and personal stories of one of those students each week. If you're a graduate student at OSU and you're interested in coming on the show or you just want to find out more about all the awesome things going on at Oregon State, check out our blog at blogs.oregonstate.edu slash inspiration, where you can find out all about our up-and-coming guests and links to our Twitter and Facebook pages. Inspiration dissemination is recorded live, and should they occur, any opinions expressed on the show are those of the host and their guest and do not necessarily represent Oregon State University or this station. Tonight, we're joined by Amin Gazi, who is so excited to be here, and we're so happy to have you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so Amin is actually an exchange student from France, well, from Morocco, from France. I'll just let you introduce yourself and tell us what you're studying and how you sort of ended up, what you came to Oregon State to do. Yeah, okay. So uh, I was born in Morocco. I did uh, my education there. I was in French schools and after uh, I had my high school degree, I moved to France for higher education and um, I was studying, well, I am still studying electrical and computer engineering, but mostly focused on electronics and embedded systems. So I'm doing a master's degree. And after my fourth year, which in France, you need three years to get a bachelor's degree. After my fourth year, so half of my master's, I moved in, uh, in Germany for an internship, a one year long internship. And then I had the opportunity to go abroad for an exchange program to finish my master's. And I was like, Let's go to OSU. Let's try that. Yeah. And here I am. <laughs> uh, so I just want to back up because a lot of people who are listening probably don't understand how the French system of schooling works. And yeah. we barely understand how the American grad school system works. So <laughs> let's. Uh, so in France, the bachelor's and master's for your engineering in particular is all just mushed into one degree, right? Yeah, so you can choose if, you, if you'd rather just stop after a bachelor's or you can choose to go directly for a master's. So that's, we have an engineering degree in France, which is not the same thing as here. And an in, in engineering degree in France is basically a master's of science in engineering, whichever major you choose. So I chose the path where I could go directly for a master's, but you could also choose another path, which is linked with the university, where you do just your bachelor's. 
And I think you said that um, another kind of difference between like starting your undergrad in France versus here is that you said that since you're kind of already on this path to like your master's of science and engineering, your first two years of of university was like really intense for like math and physics and chemistry. Like you had some yeah. other courses, but it's like super intense for that. Whereas like here in America, there's in the United States, there's like a bit more of like a take some humanities and a language. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, so it was, it's very different because um, you have a ranking of uh, engineering schools and also it's the same for business schools. If you want to go in one of these schools, you have to go through two years of uh, preparation. So you can either uh, choose to go through two years of preparation to do a big exam. Mm -hmm. And depending on your ranking on this exam, you'll be taken in one of the top schools. Or you can go to uh, kind of the same thing, but you're, you know for sure that if you have the grades you need, you go directly to a particular school. I didn't want to go through all the stressful path of <laughs> not knowing uh, if I'm going to get a school, if I'll be good enough, because it's mm -hmm. a lot of pressure and a lot of people cannot handle it. I didn't feel at the time I could handle it, so I went straight for uh, the easier option, kind of. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't still was easy. kind of hard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think engineering is an easy thing to <laughs> learn no. or do. Mm -hmm. All right. You also, so to back up even further, from you're from Morocco originally, but yeah. you were in French school, in the French school system, essentially just in Morocco, right? Right. So uh, I'm Moroccan. I'm also French. I have a dual citizenship. Oh, okay. So since um, there was Morocco was kind of, it wasn't a French colony, but it, there were a lot French administration in Morocco. Mm. You have a lot of French schools also because French people move to Morocco sometimes. So I could directly join these one these schools, which are seen as better than the Moroccan public system. And uh, so there, I learned both French and Arabic at the same time. I was doing history of Morocco in Arabic and history of French in French of France in French. How oh, many wow. languages do you speak? Uh, so I can speak French, Arabic, English, Spanish, and. A tiny bit of German, which I don't do. Uh, <laughs> and we internship. will now continue this interview in, in German. German. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, please <Kidding>. don't. <laughs> okay, so French schooling, which then made kind of this transition to France probably quite natural for you. And mm -hmm. so you chose this, what you call in quotes, easier path, which I don't think is easy at all. And you <laughs> got through your first kind of two years of like the basic, not basic, but you know, like the yeah. foundational math, physics, chemistry, and then you picked your major, which is electronics and embedded systems, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And so you had a third year in university and then you went off for your internship, right? Uh, no, oh. a third and fourth year. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so after the third year, I had my bachelor's degree, mm -hmm. which isn't really relevant in my case because mm. I'm going for a master's. It's just one step on the way. Mm -hmm. And after my fourth year, we have a mandatory internship of at least three months. Mm. And you can either do this one and keep going with your fifth year, or you can just go abroad for one year and do an internship. Some people do a six months of internship, six months of uh, humanitarian work. Mm -hmm. They go to a, a third world country and help build a school or mm. something. But in my case, I found a really good opportunity in Germany, so I went for it. Yeah, you picked a, a full one-year internship, right? That's yeah. what you ended up doing. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell us um, a little bit about the company that you... Did this internship with? Yeah, of course. So I was actually very lucky. I was in the headquarters of the company in Munich. 
It's called uh, Infineon Technologies, and it's basically um, a semiconductor company. They do everything that goes from analog electronics, power electronics, digital electronics. I was in the in the microcontroller department, uh, especially in the automotive microcontroller department, and they build chips that you can program and just do basically anything. But in this case, since it's for the automotive industry, it has to be very, very fail-proof, very safety and security oriented, which makes it very complex and hard to understand at first. So that's what I was doing for for a year, and I was just trying to understand how to use this chip and <laughs> through various projects. Yeah. So you are working on writing code onto this like tiny computer that was applicable in this specific case into an automated car. Mm -hmm. So for those listening, you can go onto the blog that is up right now on blogs.oregonstate.edu slash inspiration. And there's a picture of this little tiny car. <laughs> and also there's a really cool YouTube video with a meme in it. And they're kind of explaining what they were working on. And you can see the car in action a little bit. It's super cool. Tell us what you were able to accomplish during this time. So uh, the idea of this, the microcontroller we, we were using, it's, called, it's uh, one of the Oryx microcontroller family is that it's developed for uh, autonomous driving. And since it's uh, very complex and hard to understand at first, the idea was that a team of students, of interns, would be able to make um, an autonomous robot, a little autonomous car, using this microcontroller, mm. which is designed for autonomous driving. So something really complex, you know, we just try to understand it and, and do something with it for what it's meant. Basically, right. So doing it like on the small scale in a small autonomous little yeah. robot um, versus like instead of the big scale cars that are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because in the in the cars, apparently it's used in more than 50 percent of the cars you see today, like the new ones that are released. And well, it's mostly used for braking systems and all the things that you cannot have any thing happen to it, any random any random thing. So for us, it was way less risk, you know, <laughs> just a tiny little car in plastic yeah. and sensors. <laughs> but it's mostly about uh, showing that you can do uh, incredible things, even though you're not a professional and you don't have more than 10 years of experience in the field. Yeah, because you were a team of students and right. you were able to get this little car to like avoid obstacles and... Uh, remember it was like going to different numbers, right? In a specific order that it was programmed yeah. to go to. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. And so obviously I think what, what I at first found it hard to wrap my brain around is that these, um, these microcontrols, you, they're, they're hard, they're super hard to like change and per because we don't want, right. They're used in things like braking systems. And right. when you, press your brake pedal you want that to work you don't want there to be like a mistake in the systems and then you can't brake so that's that's like the big technology where this is being used in yeah exactly so there are some standards in the industry that you have to uh, you have to adapt to mm. and they just create a way higher standard in this case like for braking systems as you said you don't want anything happening wrong and the way you program it is not the same way you program another microcontrollers it, which means that you will have some problems that you would never have thought of. And it's not a problem in your code. It's just that you're not initializing everything properly mm. and there might be some unknown behavior that could happen. So you have to make sure to go through all the steps and do not leave anything random, basically. 
I guess I was also kind of surprised because I didn't realize that like external companies make these things. Maybe this was silly of me to think, but I would think that like BMW makes their own chips for their cars. But that's, I guess, not the case. There's like separate companies that make these very small, specific parts of cars. And then yeah, like, is that the like they distribute them or they sell them to big exactly. car manufacturers? And you actually uh, quoted BMW, which is very interesting oh. because they're based... <laughs> well, I am German. <laughs> yeah, no, they're based in Munich. And mm -hmm. I was in Munich and the headquarters of this company where I was, was in Munich. And the funny story is that one of my friends at the same level as me in the school was doing his internship in BMW in Munich at the same time. Oh. And sometimes we would just meet for uh, for drinks or whatever and he would be like, oh, your microcontroller is too slow. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not the point of it. <laughs> the war of the microcontrollers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh wait, actually, I just remembered oh, yeah. you were you were able to present this this work, your internship at this really embedded World Fair conference, right? Yeah, right. Do you want to talk about that because that's super cool? Yeah, sure. So it was the first time I think in the in the in the story of the company where they had in the history of the company where they had actual students interns going and presenting their work there, mm -hmm. and also I had the chance after the fair, since it was a a success, to meet the the director of my director and the manager of the director of my director in a meeting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the first the first time it was just on a weekly meeting where they were just presenting the objectives of the week. Mm. And I had like five minutes to present my work and I just went for it and it's like, this is very interesting. I wanted to show it to my manager. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. But you have to do a live demo. I was like, okay. It was two days later. I did and we went to the to the other meeting and they were just trying to test the robot for it to fail, but it didn't. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> Until like it was impossible for it to work, you know? Uh -huh. And I was like, no, this is not fair. You should you should let it be. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was really fun. And the thing is, we were two students that went there. We were a team of five students. I was the project manager. I was working most of the time full time on this project. The other ones just when they had some time between tasks. So I was very involved in it. And I, w I went there with my supervisor and another guy that was working on the project with me. It was three days. It was a lot of fun. We met some students that were actually in the University of Munich that were trying to, uh, to use this microcontroller but couldn't because they didn't have the resources we had. We were in the mm. company. <laughs> so I told them, you can just contact me and I'll help you out because I went through the same struggles. It was so much fun going there. That's really oh, awesome. Yeah. On the yeah. same... Uh, topic you have you know the person who's now taken over that project yeah. right and you were able to lay out some groundwork so that they can build off of that and so you're still able to follow up right yeah exactly so the thing is this project was created two years before I arrived and there was no progress done on it there was no documentation it was under, under un understandable there was just a box with some sensors and things and like, okay, <laughs> I started from scratch. And uh, the idea was that we would have something working, but we would also do the best documentation we could. So the next year students, the next year interns would be able to go from that, learn how it works and not go, go through the same struggles as us mm -hmm. in terms of understanding why this is not working compared to uh, why uh, it works on another microcontroller and also know everything about the behavior of it, how to uh, take this sensor and use it, use it on a different context. And thankfully, yeah, so I know the, the student that's now in my position and he asked me a couple of questions at first, but I was like, 
go read the documentation. It's in there. <laughs> and very quickly, I worked hard for that. Yeah, no, I did. <laughs> because it's not fun doing documentation, but yeah. it's necessary. <laughs> and it turns out that in less than three months, they did so much work compared to us where we're stuck in problems that we couldn't figure out, but were just because we weren't familiar with the ecosystem of the of the company. Cool. Yeah, that's really great. Also that I guess that um, that the company, I think I'm going to pronounce it wrong, Infineon, yeah. Infineon Technologies, that they like gave their students the opportunity to go to this fair and to present the research, but now also that like previous interns are passing on the like opportunity and skills to new generations, I think, yeah, mentoring and like helping each other out is really important. Yeah, like, plus the fair is in two or three weeks now. And I saw the oh. <laughs> the picture of the new uh, new robot. Like, wow, this is great. They're going to compare both at the fair and just show all the work they've done. I cool. think this is pretty cool. I'm really happy that the work I did was was followed. Yeah. And it was meaningful in some sense. Yeah. For but, people who want, there's... um So... Uh, while Amin was at the fair, there was someone who was going around and kind of making promotional videos. So if you go to the blog at blogs.oregonstate.edu slash inspiration, there's a video in the blog about today's show that kind of shows a little bit the um, robot driving around, avoiding obstacles. It's really cool. And there's also like an explanation with it. So you guys should go check that out. Yeah, so at the fair, uh, the version we presented of the robot was not the most advanced one. Mm. It was just this, the one that we knew was fail-proof. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, we did a lot more progress where uh, we were able to... Uh, actually, the, the the goal of the robot at the beginning was for it to be autonomous on the map, recognize numbers from 1 to 5, letters S for start and E for end, having obstacles so and just scanning around this environment looking up where all the numbers are, go back to the start and go through them one by one in order while avoiding obstacles. So we were able to do most of it, but not uh, everything because in the end I was just spending so much time on documentation <laughs> that I yeah. couldn't go through. I couldn't yeah, finish it, but that was like room for improvement for the new one. So yeah. in cool. the end it worked out. Yeah. And I think Heather made a really funny comment. Um, when you watch the video, it kind of looks like if you've ever seen ants like walking along somewhere oh, yes. and yeah. you like draw a line with your finger and ants avoid it. It's yeah. exactly like that. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. Robot smarter than an ant. <laughs> <laughs> or as smart as an ant. As smart as an ant, at least. Yeah. Ants as smart as robots. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But anyway, sorry, after I cut rudely cut you off, okay. Heather. <laughs> yeah, so should we go back to kind of, yeah, what, how, what was the connection between that and OSU? So in the meantime, I already knew I wanted to try to go abroad again because it's so fun. And since I'm a student, I don't have that much responsibilities. <laughs> I can just move around at the moment, you know. So I contacted the... Uh, the the students that were there from one year that were one year older or two year older than me that went to OSU and asked them about their experience and they were just telling me you should come here it's amazing compared to to the school in France or the system the whole culture is great Oregon is great I was like well okay and I had to be prepared very quickly because in December I had to have submitted my application mm. and yeah so I finished my internship in end of June I had two months of uh, of holidays in Morocco and then I arrived here and I was quite surprised because <laughs> when I arrived there was a full week 
or it was raining. <laughs> like, wow, Welcome to Oregon. What's happening? Where am I? Because I looked up the, the minimum temperature here before coming. In Munich, I was surprised it was very cold, a lot of snow, and I was not prepared for that. I saw in Corvallis it's not too cold, so I was happy coming here. I was like, it's going to be nice weather for once. <laughs> I looked it up before, but no, it's raining most of the time. But from what I heard, this fall term was pretty dry compared to the ones before. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, Oregon's not, maybe not as nice in terms of warmness compared to Morocco, but it's true. <laughs> warmer Lacking than in other as places. many spices, I would say. Oh, yes, also. that's true. That's true. <laughs> but after some getting used to, you know, I yeah. really like it here now. Cool. How, so how did you get plugged into your classes and making friends whenever you moved here? So since I was a graduate student, I needed to ask permission to, uh, of the professors to join their courses because I don't have all my uh, prerequisites done here. Mm. And I just showed my transcripts and, and described my previous experience. Then I was accepted in, in the courses I wanted to take. And so at first I was, uh, so I was taking two graduate courses and one pack course, which is all I need. I didn't want to take more because I heard uh, you have a lot of work when you're a graduate student. I was like, okay, I'm just coming here for an exchange program. I'm supposed <laughs> to enjoy my life, discover the USA. So, and quickly enough, I realized it was a lot of work. And uh, and the professors and the TAs I talked to told me that this is, you're not meant to do everything on your own. You're supposed to make a study group, meet some people, mm. study with them. Because what they're going to what they're going to understand, you're probably not going to understand. And what you're going to understand, they might not understand. It's true. So it's all about exchanging and uh, and learning together. So as soon as I arrived after the first two weeks, where I was kind of confused and still in a in a little dream, <laughs> I started talking with everyone and working with everyone, and it's been a great experience cool. so far. Yeah, and you live in something called iHouse. Can right. you tell us about that? <laughs> Which is not a house built by Apple. It is, not, it is not an Apple product. It's not an interactive house. <laughs> no. Yeah, so iHouse stands for International House and it's basically a place, a big house where you have, we can have up to 60 people living there at the same time. Wow. 60? Yeah, Whoa. that's like the maximum, but usually we're about 40 there. Wow. And the people from all over the world come, go there for their exchange. During the fall term, I had the opportunity to meet some people from Austria, people from Ecuador, Spain, um, Denmark. And now there's a girl that comes from Finland, which is such a different culture. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing to, to meet all these people with their different cultural background mm -hmm. and different education and the way they perceive things is different to mine. Mm -hmm. Also, the best part about it is sometimes we do this thing called potluck where everyone cooks <laughs> food from their from where they come from, and this is the best part about it. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. That yeah. sounds awesome. <laughs> do you guys also like make some American recipe, like try to learn American things together? Well, we have like a, a pie. <laughs> there are a couple of Americans there, so oh, nice. we, we, let them, we let them do that and we do what we know. <laughs> and I think um, one of the 
obviously, like you said, you didn't want to like overload yourself with lots of work and coursework, but you wanted to yeah. do kind of, you know, the requirements, but then also have time to kind of explore and experience the United States. And so you've been on a couple trips already. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us about, I, I don't know, you, there were several that you liked, but do you want to tell us about your Thanksgiving holiday? I feel like that oh. sounded very, ama- the thing that you did the was American quite American. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, well. <laughs> We went, I was in the group with uh, another fr- and a French girl, an Australian girl, uh, one that comes, a girl that comes from Czech Republic and a Mexican guy. And we just drove down to San Francisco. <laughs> we passed by the Redwoods and, and uh, drove along the coast, met some people in, just randomly in restaurants we were eating. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, you guys have a weird accent. Where do you come from? <laughs> <laughs> like, they were like, these accents don't even go together. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, she's Australian. She's from Czech Republic. She's Mexican. I'm from Morocco. She's French. And they just gave us some recommendation of places to go look up on the way. It was it was really great. Then we went to San Francisco, which was great as well. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, you see that on the TV shows. Yes. And you don't see yourself there. And then you're like, wow. I'm there now. Yeah, I had the exact same. I'm an international student too, and I like so many things that I'd seen in like Hollywood movies, you know, yeah. like, and you see them here, and you're like, it's all real. Yeah, <laughs> that must crazy. sound very strange for American people, to, but like for me, like the I don't know, like the UPS trucks that have like open <laughs> doors, and the drivers drive with open doors. I mean, but yeah, amazing to me. Yeah, you always see that in. I always saw that in movies, and I was like, oh, it's real. <laughs> But yeah, I think a road trip is like a very American thing to do. Yeah. Plus we did the American thing. We stopped at the motels for oh, the nice. night, you know, <laughs> in the meantime. Yeah, that was pretty funny. It was a, a great adventure. Cool. Yeah. Well, we have two traditions on the show. The first is to give a piece of advice to a former self, someone on the same journey as you, or just anyone you think might listen or care. <laughs> um, you can give a piece of advice. Uh, I'll let you do that before we talk about the second one. Okay, so the piece of advice I would have is, well, don't underestimate the amount of time that you need to work. <laughs> because in the French system, you just do everything in class. You don't have access to the labs. So once you're done, you just have a report to write. Mm-hmm. But here, everything is open all the time. You have so much resources. And I was just like, well, we have two hours of lab. Two hours passed. I'm done. But I wasn't. And I had so much work. So it's that. Don't underestimate that. And also um, talk with as many people as you can talk to. Make some connections. And if you help them, they're going to help you. And you just learn so much from that. Plus, at OSU, you have so many students that come from all over the world, too. And yeah, it's a great opportunity. Cool. Yeah. So our second tradition is to have you pick the song that we play you out on. So can you tell us what song you picked and why you picked it or tell us about it? Yeah, sure. So the song I picked is the song by um, a band called Parcells. It's called Games of Luck without any space between the words. (laughs) So it's a band. It's a modern spelling. (laughs) Yeah. No, actually, the story is that when they were uploading the music at first, Uh they didn't the the space key on their keyboard didn't work. (laughs) So they just had to. I love that. And they kept going like this. (laughs) Just typing the words and enter. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a band that I that's fairly recent. They only have one album. And I was able to go uh, see them live in Munich when oh, they were nice. doing their show. 
and yeah i really love this band that's awesome well i mean it's been great having you on the show i really enjoyed talking um to internet another international student thank you yeah me too <laughs> um and here coming up we have games of luck by parcels enjoy sold it slower to find your man thank you for listening if you want to support the show tell your friends about it and give us a five-star review on apple Podcasts and follow us on twitter and facebook at kbvrid this theme music was performed by the osu drumline and the intro jingle was created by olin Hamat. special thanks to the supporting staff at kbvr that allow the show and podcast to be possible this show was started by Jean Kamvar and Joey Hulbert in 2012. To learn about our current hosts, other graduate students at Oregon State, or if you want to be part of the show, visit our website at blogs.oregonstate.edu inspiration. Thanks again for listening and stay curious, my friends.